When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast... I'll be joined by UCLA interim head coach Marie Bartow and Virginia's Braxton Key, fresh off of the Cavaliers' victory over Florida State. Before we even get to any of that, I will just say that Virginia is playing better than last season when they were a number one seed. They won the ACC regular season and conference tournament title. Let's forget the UMBC game because it will not happen again. It has The only thing it has to do with this season is it has motivated this group, and we're going to talk to Braxton about this, even though he wasn't a part of that, as he transferred from Alabama. But this team's better. Let's everyone accept that and stop with any narrative that Virginia can't advance in the tournament. It's irrelevant to this. Virginia right now, Tennessee, both kind of built a little similar. Duke, Michigan, Michigan State. And now Gonzaga, that it's healthy, are playing the best basketball in the country. The national champion, more than likely, I think, will come from that group of teams. Um, There could be other Final Four teams, there's no question. But those are the best teams in college basketball right now. Now, before we get to my conversation with Murray Bartow, the head coach of UCLA on an interim basis... I spent a couple days at UCLA, and I just want to give you my lay of the land here of this coaching search after they relieve Steve Alford of his duties. First time UCLA has done that, where they've gotten rid of a coach midseason before uh, anything, you know, no violations, it's not Jim Herrick, any of that kind of stuff. So let's go down a little of the list. Okay, first of all, let me address the elephant in the room because people of power, if you will, in social media world and the college basketball world have floated Rick Pitino's name out. It's not going to happen. Let's just stop it right now. He's coaching in Greece right now. UCLA cannot hire a coach who is embroiled in a legal battle with his past school, um, you know, everything that we went on with Adidas and, um, you know, even though he was not named in any violations, the fact that violations occurred at Louisville, the 2013 banner is down. Um, there were obviously other incidents that we don't have to go into during his tenure uh, there. And whether or not he knew anything about it, or guilty, innocent, whatever, they're not going to hire him. If you think the opening news conference was bad with Steve Alford, then when they brought up things that happened at Iowa, uh, just imagine what would have happened at UCLA with Rick Pitino. Um, it's not happening. Dan Guerrero, who is a force in the NCAA Basketball Oversight Committee, he's the athletic director there. There is no way that he's going to hire him. 
I think Billy Donovan would be a home run, but the timing's not right with him to leave the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm not convinced he'd go back to college. Eric Musselman could lead Nevada to a Final Four, and I should say Nevada's playing great right now as well, But um, and they could win the national championships. I don't want to dismiss them from my earlier comment. But, um, and I do worry about their depth. But anyway, <laughs> Eric Musselman has lived off of transfers, which has worked for him at Nevada. I don't see that working at UCLA. It's not in their DNA. They almost never take transfers. Uh, I'm not saying Eric Musselman can't be a four-year kind of guy, but I just don't see it. And for that same reason, the Fred Hoiberg question, I don't know if he's a fit either, lived off of that at Iowa State. Could he recruit high school American types? Of course he could. Um, That wasn't in his DNA, but they're not going to change UCLA's DNA. And I don't know if Fred Hoiberg wants to go back to college. You know, does he want to stay in the NBA after getting back into the NBA? Remember, he was with the Timberwolves in their their executive position um, with the franchise. Then he goes to college at Iowa State, then goes back to be a head coach with the Chicago Bulls. Um, There's going to be a host of other names, current college coaches, Mike Bray, but he's not going to leave Notre Dame. Frank Martin from South Carolina, not winning enough right now. Shaka Smart, Dan Guerrero made attempt to him before. I don't think he's ready to leave Texas. Um, So there's going to be a host of names that are going to come up. I do believe that Earl Earl Watson deserves an interview. Is he going to get the job? I don't know. I know he wants the job. I know that he bleeds Bruin Blue. I know that he has been in the AAU circuit world of SoCal from age 22 to now his late 30s, coaching the NBA with the Phoenix Suns so he can work in that NBA aspect. Um, Very well connected in both the NBA and in the grassroots level. Bob Myers, who uh, obviously knows Earl very well, uh, is one of the consultants with Dan Guerrero or to Dan Guerrero. He's the GM of the Golden State Warriors, played at UCLA, was a former agent. So I do think Earl Watson would be a good fit because he understands UCLA. Not that you only can get someone like that. Um, you know, look what's gone on. TCU, Jamie Dixon, alma mater. St. John's, Chris Mullen, now it's finally turning. That's his alma mater. Patrick Ewing, Georgetown, that's his alma mater. I'm not comparing Earl Watson as a player to those three at their respective universities. Um, But I do think that, you know, it would be an interesting direction to go in that direction to hire someone who is all in on UCLA. I would also say the narrative that UCLA doesn't commit care and all that is not true. Uh, The charter aspect certainly could be better, but they're up to about six. I was told when I was there this week, for example, um, next weekend, they're playing Oregon, Oregon state, on a Sunday night, they're going to play Oregon State and they're going to charter back because they got school on Monday. So they do it about six times. A lot of schools like Kentucky, obviously, will do it all the time. And anytime you need a plane for a recruit, you get it. Could you get a plane? Yes. Do you get it all the time at your disposal? No. Salary-wise, they started paying Ben Allen and they definitely paid Steve Alford a couple million. So that has gone up. Facility-wise, I was at the Mo Austin basketball facility on the Russell Westbrook Court, $35 million facility. Poly Pavilion, $136 million renovation project, done, looks very good. So there is commitment there. 
you can't ignore that they're in the UC system and that there are times that system certainly has had budget crunches. Um, they're still the flagship university, though. Cal may have something to say about that, but UCLA certainly is the brand name uh, of the UC system. And it is still UCLA. Uh, John Wooden, these players obviously are not as familiar with. Never saw him coach or anything like that, obviously. Uh, but I do think it would be interesting if they went in the direction of hiring someone who bleeds Bruin blue. Um, and I think he would deserve a chance. I think he definitely deserves an interview. But I, I know I told you why I don't think a lot of those other guys will get the job. And there will be other candidates that will emerge. But one thing that could happen with Earl Watson, as an example, or even a Fred Hoiberg, is you've got an interim in Murray Bartow. They're playing a little bit more loose. Uh, you'll hear about that when we discuss that. And, you know, if you remember years ago at USC, um, there, Tim Floyd was hired, and he basically was hired midseason or in December, I think. Um, and he didn't coach the team. Jim Sia did the interim. And he just sort of recruited and built the program. So uh, that's something like that could occur. We'll have to wait and see if UCLA wants to go down that road. I don't know if they want to wait all the way into the spring to see who's available. I doubt that will occur. So I had a chance to really sit down with Murray Bartow, discuss the timing of this, what it was like to replace his good friend Steve Alford, the changes he would make, and certainly the connections uh, to UCLA that he's had long before because his father, as you will hear, Gene Bartow, uh, replaced John Wooden, which was an impossible situation. So we will discuss all that with Murray Bartow, who's the interim head coach at UCLA. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, interim UCLA head coach Murray Bartow, after the Bruins on a Thursday night, knocked off Stanford rather easily at Poly Pavilion. The first game since Steve Alford was relieved of his duties. And Murray, you've been in this business a long, long, long time. You grew up in this business. Your late great father was the head coach here following John Wooden. Uh, in your wildest dreams, could you have ever even imagined in any form that you would someday in, whether it's interim in any fashion, be the head coach at UCLA? No, I couldn't see this coming a mile away, but uh, I, I love the effort tonight. I love the way we played, but uh, obviously with a heavy heart. I mean, Steve and I have been friends. You go all the way back to 1986 when Steve was a junior at Indiana. I was a graduate assistant in 86 and 87 at Indiana under Coach Knight. And, you know, so for over 30 years, Steve and I have been very close. Steve's wife, Tanya, and my wife, Tammy, have been very close. So, it, it's kind of with a heavy heart, but I am thrilled we played well. Guys played with great energy, and so it's a good win for us. Good first game. You know, I know you have a heavy heart even more than that because we're talking seven years to the day yeah. of the passing of your father. Um, how, how much were you thinking about that as you were on the sidelines? A good bit. A good bit, to be honest. You know, I was driving home last night, and my mom, who's 87, still lives in Birmingham, never misses a game. And she said, she told me, and I'd kind of forgotten that the next day was January the 3rd. My dad passed away, as you said, seven years ago. And I'll tell you, Andy, I think about him every day. I mean, over and over every day. And he's obviously been the biggest influence in my life. He was a great coach, unbelievable coach, but just a great person. He loved people had great relationships, had great friends, and just never met a stranger. And 
So that's really what I miss about him. I miss being able to pick the phone up and talk to him and call him. But uh, I know he'd be very proud of me being here at UCLA. And he had some good memories here and some tough memories as well. But uh, it was exciting tonight. So I want to pick up on that. I mean, what do you remember about what he told you? You know, I don't know how much you would remember, but, but what he told you about what the experience was like to follow John Wooden. Well, it was tough. Now, Coach Wooden was great to my dad, and Coach Wooden kept an, kept an office there in the same building my dad was in, so they spent a lot of time together. And so Coach Wooden and my dad had a great relationship, ate together some, and did you know played golf and did some different things together. But obviously following him was tough. My dad just, I, mean, I think he said this before uh, when he was alive, he just wasn't having a lot of fun. You're almost playing not to lose instead of just enjoying winning. And he had some great players, Marcus Johnson and David Greenwood, and a lot of good players went to a Final Four. And But it wasn't easy following Coach Wooden. So you know probably better than most how tough this job is. I mean, everyone think, oh, UCLA, you know, Southern California, the sun, the history, but you know <laughs> that there are more stresses and pressures and hurdles that go with a program like this. So uh, when you came back here, when Steve said, hey, you know what, I want you to join my staff, what were your sort of memories about what the difficulties are about this job? Well, it's a tough job because there's high expectations. My dad used to tell me every day, though, Murray, they're all tough. They're all tough. Some are just a little tougher than others. And I think this is kind of one of those. You're under the magnifying glass. You've got to win and not just win, but um, with all the banners hanging up in Pauly, you know, fans here have those great memories of a lot of Final Fours and a lot of national championships. So, uh, a lot of tough jobs around the country, but this is a great job. It's a great school, rich tradition, and and uh, they've obviously had a lot of success here, but it's not an easy job. You know, things have changed for the better. Uh, practice facility, um, salaries weren't great when your dad was coaching here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they increased, I think, the latter part of Ben Howland, obviously, with Steve. So salaries have gotten better. But, you know, it's still not a school where you can get a plane the way you can at Kentucky or North Carolina, just if you want to hop for the day to go recruiting. So those are some of those. And you're part of the UC system, which has historically been, you know, cash strapped. What, what are some of those you know, hurdles that people may not fully understand that I think are true to a lot of Pac-12 schools, you know, as you look at a job like this. I hate to sit here, Andy. I like you so much. I hate to avoid the question, but it's a tough question. But I think for any job to be a great job, you need everything going right. A lot of the, a lot of these jobs boil down to recruiting, and you've got to get the right talent, the right players. You've got to be a heck of a coach, don't get me wrong, but it, a lot of it does come down to recruiting, so everything behind the scenes has to be right. And I'm not saying it's not here, but it's just got to be right. Charter planes, academics, everything's got to be wired behind the scenes from a financial standpoint to make sure you can get done and do what you need to do. So uh, I, I think this is a great job, but it's a, it's, it's a hard job with the expectations here the way they are. You know, in just watching one 40-minute game, you guys look a little more free. And I don't know if that's a fair statement, but because I saw, as you know, I was in Vegas when you guys played those games, uh, watched a couple of the other ones on television. W what did you do the last week or two, or the last week, I should say, in practice that maybe, and I talked to Jalen Hands after, that maybe fewer plays or a little bit more freedom. What, what did you tweak in some form? 
you know, we were doing – Steve's a great coach. I mean, Steve is really a heck of a coach. But all we knew to do, we started looking at the last four games, and we couldn't hit 70. And all I kept coming back to, because we started just trying to think of sets and what we need to do, and do we need to be slower, faster, and all I kept coming back to was speed, 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 speed. And so we really worked hard the last three days on advancing the ball and running on makes and misses and getting it out and not dribbling it across half court, but passing it across half court, pressing more, trapping more. And uh, we've got good athletes. We've got good length. We don't have a lot as much grit as I would like. and We don't have as much physicality as I would like. But we've got length and speed. And so that's what we really tried to, to get to. And we kept telling them all week, you know, can we hit 90? Can we hit 90? And obviously we were able to. But I just thought we played with a little bit more speed tonight. We didn't run as many things. And we just kind of tried to let them play a little bit. How much did it help that it, it's really, it, well, it is, it's the same staff, you know, no one left but Steve, including his son, you know, who's still here. How much do you think that helped with a smoother transition? Well, I did think we had a smooth transition. Monday was a really, really, really hard day. When you come to a university to play for a head coach, when he's let go, that's a hard thing. So we tried to rekindle their energy late Monday. We had two on Wednesday. We had two two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday. I thought Tyus said, and he gave them a just incredible talk on Monday afternoon about what does it mean to put the UCLA uniform on because at least in our games, and nothing that Steve did, but we just didn't look like we cared as much as we needed to. We didn't look like a team, play like a team, play with as much energy and Tyus gave him a very emotional talk. You know, Tyus obviously being here in 95, part of the national championship team, and he got emotional in terms of, hey, th- this is what it means when you put that uniform on, and I thought we were able to see some of that tonight. And, and Murray, this is a fresh, sl- a fresh start, a clean slate. The Pac-12, for whatever has gone on wrong in the non-conference, it is wide open. I mean, no question. As we talk here on a Thursday night, Arizona State, which looked like the favorite, they lose at home to Utah, which had really struggled. Um, there is no reason, based on what the talent that you have in this locker room, that you guys can't compete for the title in this league. How much do you look at that that say, you know what, we're 1-0 and right now as we're taping here, but that we do have the talent relative to this league that we can compete for the championship? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I think there's a lot of teams in the league that are capable of playing in Vegas on March 16th, the day of the championship game of our tournament. And I think we're one of those teams, but I think there's a lot of those teams. And much like my dad, I'm a pretty even keel type of guy. I'm not going to get too overly hyped up after one win, but I do think it was a good start. But I do think it's a wide open league with a lot of teams that are capable of winning it. And Hopefully we can be one of those teams. Yeah, and before I let you go, I mean, to that point, I mean, you take over a team, but you're coaching a team that I got to feel like you feel like can compete for a championship. It'd be one thing if, you know, you were whatever, 2-15, and and you know you're just sort of riding out the string of of finishing a a season, but I got to believe you feel like, you know what, I'm going to coach a team that potentially could win a championship of a league. Well, I think we've got a chance. We've got some talent. Again, we're not as gritty 
as I'd like to be. We're not as physical and tough as I'd like to be. But we again, we've got speed and length and athleticism. And we've got a pretty good bunch of skilled guys that can play multiple positions. So I think we've got a chance. Again, it's just kind of that one day at a time thing. Can we get better tomorrow? Can we keep improving? I think there's a lot of spirit in the locker room. The locker room after tonight's game was a about as fun of a locker room as I've ever been in. They were very excited after they thought they played well, and we did play okay, but um, we'll see. We'll see. It's just one game, but it was a good start. Thanks, Murray. Appreciate okay. it. Thanks, Andy. Coming up next here on March Madness 365, a conversation with Virginia's Braxton Key right after the Cavaliers took care of Florida State on Saturday. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Virginia's Braxton Key, who scored 20 points on Saturday in a convincing 65-52 victory over Florida State. Uh, Braxton, you transferred from Alabama, and I I don't know if everyone was waiting for something like this, but certainly uh, this was your breakout game as a member of the Cavaliers. What was it like to produce like this for your newer newer team? It felt great. I mean, the atmosphere, the fans were great. I mean, my teammates have been very supportive of me, and they believe in me, and they have the confidence in me to do great great things on the court and it was just great to uh, go out there and just perform the way I, I know how to play and it's, it's, like you said it was a breakout game and it's just a relief to have a, have a game like this. When you say relief I mean how much internal stress I doubt there was any external but internal stress were you putting on yourself as you were waiting for your offense to come the way I know that you know it can because you've certainly produced like this in the past. I mean I know it's, I know it's always there everyone always tell me I mean learning Tony Coach Bennett's uh, system is it's difficult. I mean, especially on offense, we don't, it's not many transition uh, plays and not a lot of just pick and roll. So it's kind of just finding your ways and finding ways to uh, create and make plays for yourself and for the team. So as I've gotten more comfortable playing more games, practicing, working out extra every night, I mean, it just it just paid off tonight. Braxton, when you were transferring from Alabama to Virginia, I know when you went through the initial process, you didn't know for sure that you'd be able to play right away. So when you got the word that you could and know that you'd be able to contribute to a potential national championship team. What was your reaction? I had a great feeling. I mean, about it the whole time, pray on it every single day and just speak, try and speak it into existence. I mean, I was doing everything possible to make this happen. I just, there's not one day that I doubt that it wouldn't happen for myself. And I'm blessed and honored to be playing for a great program and great coaching coach, Tony Bennett. And I'm not taking any day for granted so far. So it's been great so far. You know, defensively, Virginia has consistently been known as a place that just absolutely swallows up, you know, their opponents. In terms of that transition, how hard was that to make sure that you were on the same page defensively? I love playing defense, so that's not really something new for me. But just trying to learn the the pack and the principles. I mean, how I was taught at Bama, just like the little things like closing out, forcing baseline, and now it's forced closing out, no baseline, and forcing middle. So it's just little things like that. It took a while to really get a grasp on and just being in the gap and just trying to be in the right position. It's all about positioning and just doing what I have to do to keep the, keep my guy and keep other guys from scoring. So that's been great, though. Braxton, you weren't a part of the UMBC loss. I know that it's so far in the past, but this team, it just feels like there's an edge. And I remember mm-hmm. talking to Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome last spring, um, and, and I don't know, I mean, just watching them, watching you guys – it, you just feel that there's something, 
I don't know, there's just something different about this year, even though the results are almost comparable to a year ago. What are you seeing on the ground there, even though you weren't a part of what happened last March? Like you said, I wasn't a part of it. But I mean, when I came in here this summer, just seeing how hard everyone was working, I don't know if that was the norm or not, but seeing Ty, Dre, Kyle come in here late night, early mornings. And I mean, really everyone, Mamadi, Jack, everyone was working those, I mean, twice, three times as hard as probably they were the year before and just how hard our scrimmages were when we play against one another practices in, in the summer and whatnot. So just seeing how hard everyone's playing, I'm, I'm not surprised to see how our results look so far. But like you said, I feel like there's definitely an edge to this team. And I was kind of going with the flow and trying to <laughs> understand everything. So it's going great so far. And last thing, Braxton, uh, the culture of winning that Tony Bennett has created at Virginia is pretty phenomenal. Uh, it's only one game in the ACC, but their success rate over the last you know four years in the ACC has been tremendous. And winning it last year again and winning the conference tournament again – how would you describe that winning culture that you've walked into? It's, it's definitely a winning culture. And, I mean, it just starts with just doing what you, doing whatever it takes to win and being uh, being humble and being a servant of your other teammates. I mean, his five pillars, Coach talks about it pretty much every day without even knowing it, and it's kind of embarked in us and just trying to play for one another. I feel like us being unified and whatnot has definitely helped us on the court and just not everyone surrendering to one another. No one's like, oh, I have to go get 20 or I have to do this. Everyone. We all know what we're capable of, and everyone goes out and does their job night in, night out. Braxton Key, appreciate it. Uh, great game against Florida State, and I know uh, a lot more is to come. Thank you. All right, thank you, Andy. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, I appreciate you listening to our podcast, downloading it wherever you find our podcasts on NCAA.com, all our March Madness social media accounts. I really appreciate it. And I want you to enjoy this week. A lot more basketball certainly to come. We are in the throes of conference play. Thanks for listening. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.